about a year ago I stumbled on the show With, with Geralt of Rivia An obsession did grow He took so many bats And stoked Jennifer's wrath Golden dragons came across her path Then came many books My co-host added hook We made this podcast We hope at last We wanted to go back To where it all began You bought the ticket Won't you take the ride? Welcome to our podcast, oh dear sorry listeners, oh dear sorry listeners, oh, oh, oh. welcome to our podcast, please give us five stars. Welcome. Mm-hmm. Welcome, welcome. This is our recap our very chaotic recap mm-hmm, of mm-hmm, the witcher mm-hmm. on netflix there's a lot of chaos here tonight and tonight we are recapping episode three mm-hmm. episode three is kind of ironically based on the first short story in mm-hmm. the last wish it is chapter one of book one uh it is also uh episode one of our podcast uh if you're looking to do our full deep dive um s- little bit of a side note uh quick apologies relating to the audio quality (laughs) of our earlier episodes um we were working off of like a single usb microphone um i hadn't quite fully fleshed out our recording system yet so um it's a little rough up until probably episode 10 i want to say maybe episode 5 um yeah so (laughs) I will say that we're still funny, so if mm-hmm, you still mm-hmm. want to uh, get... Okay, it's not going to be the greatest audio quality. My mom but says I'm funny, so... I don't think she even thinks you're funny. No, actually, she doesn't. <laughs> That's a little mean. Um, <laughs> it, well, it's not mean if it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so our first episode ever of the podcast was mm-hmm. called The Witcher of the Striga in the very bad pronunciation because mm-hmm. we, we messed were, up. <laughs> we were still fighting our we, way through the Polish up, names. So I we call him are. Andre Subkowski, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's actually Anse Subkowski. Yes. Yep. So that is why it's called that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to go back and listen to that whole thing, you're more than welcome to. Yeah. And we do we do a full take on the, the book, um, the chapter in the book, I should say, um, and what happens in it, you know, who is who, and uh, go into a deep dive in terms of what it means and what the author is saying in it. Here we are shamelessly plugging our full full recap episode. Oh, and so. I'm Alexa. And I'm John Mark. <laughs> yeah, so uh, just to give you a little insight, if you mm. don't listen to the rest of our episodes, which you totally should because we're mm. just as chaotic on those episodes. Yeah, yeah. I am a self-described super fan mm-hmm, of the Witcher mm-hmm. series and John Mark is my husband mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I decided I was going to drag him along on this journey. So yeah, yeah. Um, he decided to come mm-hmm. willingly. Um, Semi-willingly. I, I probably, probably <laughs> would have dragged him along anyway. Do you want to introduce yourself or are you good with that intro? I need no introduction, madam. 
that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. mostly because I do nothing <laughs> of note. Um, <laughs> do we want to get into the little uh, wine accompaniment? Yes, that we have actually, tonight? let's let's step into the wine. Uh, we'll we'll start with a nightcap. Um, like I said in our main episodes, we usually end with a nightcap or midway th- with a nightcap. Um, so today we are drinking the Banshee. Uh, it is a Pinot, Pinot Noir, Noir uh, from Sonoma County, California. It, yeah, there's only one Sonoma County. I, I think. can never remember. Of Son- note, I can never remember if Sonoma County is in Washington or if it's in California. Don't tell our West Coast listeners. <clears throat> um, we'll definitely not include that. Okay, I'm including it. I know you are because you just like seeing me flounder. Yes, California. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is vinted and bottled by Banshee Wines. I didn't realize that was the name of the winery as well. Um, it is 14% ABV, so it's a little uh, a little hefty. Um, and it is a 2018. Unfortunately, it does not have any tasting notes, so usually we like to read those as well. Um, We're just going to guess tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's got a picture of a really scary-looking bird on the front of it. Um, Aren't more like all a- birds scary? Birds are scary mostly because they're not real. They're robots created by the CIA. Um, yeah, and and they're they're there to attack our brains. Attack our brains. Yes. <laughs> Inside our you skulls. You heard it here first. Yep. <laughs> Hot takes. Speaking truth to power. Since <laughs> 2020. When did we start this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly, about a year ago. <laughs> oh, oh my God! It has been it has been almost a full year, hasn't it? We started in August of 2020, and we are almost in June. We're in of June of 2021, so, so we might have to do something a little special for our anniversary episode. Let's open the wine, John. Yeah, let's open the wine. <laughs> Ooh, that was a satisfying pop. Very satisfying pop. Um, some fantastic foley in there that we'll have to leave in. Sometimes the foley doesn't work out as well. <laughs> On our main episodes, we alternate between beer, cider, some wines with screw tops, and not all of them work as well to open on audio. John Mark has actually sprayed himself in the face several times by trying to open a can, like, in front of the mics. Regularly. Regularly spray myself this, this in the happens, face with like, beer. I want to say every time we have a can. It, it's a good thing I, I usually wash my face before I go to work the next day because, like, I think that raises a few questions. Why do you smell just like booze? You just, you, did you bathe in beer? I mean, don't judge my hobbies. It's a hair treatment. <laughs> it's good for, the, it's good for the shine. I feel like that might be bad luck or something. I poured it with my left hand. I don't know if that's a superstition or not, but I'm going to make it one. I like that we have superstitions because there are a lot of superstitions in this episode. That's true. This is a very, very superstitious episode. Or a very stitious episode, depending on the way you feel about it. I'm a little stitious. This already is very, very fragrant. Damn. Wow. Um, Like nothing but fruit. Um... I actually don't smell like, well, I smell a little bit of like menthol or something. But yeah, it's it's like cherry menthol. Um, and that sounds like a terrible combination on paper. But um, in a wine, actually, that smells, that sounds very, very good. I mean, I'm not super familiar with Pinot Noirs, but. Yeah, they're kind of a new style for me as well. They do have like a rich flavor profile. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Um, they're usually not as bitey and as dry as a like a cab franc or cab sauv. Do we want to try it? Um, I don't know. I thought we could just sit here and smell it for like another hour or so. I mean, that sounds like a great use of time. Our listeners would probably love it. I mean, that's what they came for, right? I think that most of them don't even listen to the main podcast, I, so... I, <laughs> Like, I think most of our weird for them. <laughs> I think most of our listeners probably actually fast forward through the wine tasting. They're like, please, please, just just please talk about no. The Witcher. That's what I'm here for. It is a wine and Witcher podcast, all right. This is a wine and literature podcast. Okay, okay, it's not exclusive to The Witcher. We just happen to be exclusive to The Witcher right now. Yeah, I mean, we're open. I mean, we're poly to The Witcher. <laughs> <laughs> we're literary, literarily poly. Sort of. <laughs> sure, sort of. We'll we've, see. We'll we've been see. watching okay. a lot of Sister okay. Wives, Seeking Sister Wives right now. Uh, we had a couple of drinks before this. So also that, yes. Full disclosure. So cheers. Cheers. I like it. I got a fur in my mouth. Okay, that's not part of the flavor profile. <laughs> that is not part of the flavor profile. I get a lot of pepper, actually. A lot of pepper. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, With a tartness, so I'm guessing like... It's cherry. It's very middle of the road dry, but like kind of just right dry. It's not too dry, not 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 dry enough. Like a spiciness in the middle, mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. mostly the peppercorn. Yeah, like I get mostly tartness and peppercorn. I don't know about you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This would pair very well with a very gamey meat. Hmm. Like, like an elk, like an elk or um, duck. Ooh, this would go really well with duck. It's a complex wine. It's mm-hmm. not really, it's definitely not like a jammy wine. We don't do a lot of these kinds of like peppery wines. Yeah, this is very, very spicy. Um, it's hot. <laughs> it's hot and it has a lot of terroir. Mm. Um, so terroir is the essence of the minerals and the flavor profile of the area that it was that the grape was grown in. It's got a lot of menthol and a lot of terroir. Very, very spicy. A lot of black pepper with just like a background note of cherry. Yeah, I get like sort of the sour quality, but like it's not overwhelming because we've had a lot of like cherry heavy wines mm, lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which are great. I absolutely love them. But sometimes you want to branch out a little more. Do you feel like this pairs well with the Striga episode? It absolutely does because it kind of kicks you in the face a little bit, but in a, in a good way in that like it would it would it would hold its own if you're eating something very strong. Um, much like uh, how this episode holds its own if you're drinking something strong. I like your segue. <laughs> Shall like we move it. into I the like long and the skinny? Yeah. So the long and skinny is mm-hmm. the part of the episode where we give a summary. Mm hmm. And this episode... This episode has everything. It does. So it's episode three of Mm -hmm. The Witcher on Netflix called The Betrayer Moon. Mm. And the symbol at the beginning, because every episode has a symbol... Okay, no singing. No, okay, sorry. Um, The symbol is a striga claw, and as John Mark pointed out, the fleur-de-lis of Temeria. Yep, yep. So it's both a reference to the main creature of the story mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the territory that mm-hmm. we're in. Tamaria is very important in the plot of The Witcher. Yes, it's really yep. where a lot of the main events take place. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we have a lot to get into. So let's start the summary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At the beginning of the episode, we see this very injured young man mm-hmm, on his mm-hmm. deathbed. Yeah. And he is giving this like full-on speech. 
He says, it comes on a full moon to feed. Mm-hmm. Wolf crosses a maiden's grave, a woman who passed before her time. Her mm-hmm. baby starts growing right from her belly. When mm-hmm. it's big enough, the babe rips out. Mm-hmm. Only it ain't a babe no more. It's a monster. Out of the shadows emerges this man. Mm-hmm. Um, he's mm-hmm. smoking. Mm-hmm. And he looks sort of like familiar, but not in a way where we've seen him on camera before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He has a medallion on him and he says... I'll take the job, but only for 3,000 orins up front. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which I we know enough to know that that is a lot of money. Especially for a peasant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we take from this that this kid is dying mm-hmm. um, and that this man is kind of hearing from him on his deathbed because this creature is pretty formidable. Mm-hmm. The wound looks pretty gnarly. Yeah, yep. It's like a full claw mark. It's it's like half his chest is covered in mark. And everyone seems to think it's a vuvudiac. A voodoo doc. Vuvudiac or something. So the next thing we see is this witcher is in the ruins of a castle. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he is in this like ominous sort of sm- like it's where all of the corpses of animals are hung out to smoke. It's a yeah, it's a smoking room. And like He's behind one of the like hanging, mm, mm. hanging meat things. <laughs> I don't yeah, know what to call so them. It's um, it, it's basically like, so there, there's, it's kind of a combination of two things. Um, so when you're back in the olden country, um, when they would cure meat, they would hang it in like a smoking room. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we're seeing here is more like um. It's more like the the montage in Rocky, right? Where he's That's like punching punching the yeah. they're, they're full slabs of pig, um, which you wouldn't see in a curing room. And since this is an abandoned castle, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be cured meat. There's a little bit of like an inconsistency here, but don't think about it too it, much. It's fine. Don't think I about probably it. shouldn't have even gone into that much detail on on it. Go ahead. So he's clearly taking potions, like. His eyes are completely black. Like mm-hmm, we saw mm-hmm. Geralt's eyes were completely black at the beginning in yep, episode yep, one. Yeah. Um, he hears a screech behind him and it's clear he's cornered mm-hmm. and this big formidable creature gets him. Yeah. He gets got. And our next scene is Geralt in bed with a woman mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. is busy commenting on all of his scars mm-hmm. and she's very excited to guess which scar came from which creature. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. She thinks she knows the story. She says, oh, I think this one was given to you by Kikamora. Mm-hmm. And it's clear she's getting a lot of her information from Yaskier's songs. Well, are they Yaskier's? She, she's getting information from songs. But, but whose songs are they? They, they probably are They're Yaskier's. probably Yaskier's. Um, and he, she like points to this one particular scar and asks like, oh, what's this from? I can't really tell. Mm -hmm. And he says, I got it from a princess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And she asks, well, were you in love? What was her name? And he responds, when you live as long as I have, all the names start to sound the same. Mm -hmm. Um, she's like, you know, a friend of yours passed through this brothel on his way to Tamaria. I don't have any friends. It was another witcher. And, like, Geralt sort of, it piques his attention. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she says, well, he was on his way to Tamaria. He was supposed to fight this Striga. Mm-hmm. And he took the money and ran. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's pretty weird. Yeah, um, yeah, that's not like a witcher, really. So, like, 
ideas of going after the story start ruminating for him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so he pans her this pouch of coin and says, thanks for everything. And she's mm-hmm. like, well, this isn't even enough for the room. Yeah. <laughs> so he is outside of the inn now and the innkeeper is like, okay, you owe me. And he's like, mm-hmm. well, take my horse, take Roach and I'll be back. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was voluntarily surrendering Roach. I don't think so either. (laughs) But he says, like, he tells Roach, don't judge me for this, Mm -hmm. and says he'll be back. Yeah, yep. He is entering Tamaria now, Mm -hmm. and Tamaria has this sign in front of it. I guess it's like the welcome to Tamaria sign, and Mm -hmm. it says, Tamaria, realm of monsters and cowardly kings. Mm. We are at a union rally, I want to say. Um, and yeah, that's actually kind of what it is, <laughs> isn't it? There's all these miners. This is, yeah. And they're like, you know, this guy Caesar, he's never done anything good for anyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the king does nothing to prevent these attacks. Mm-hmm, Basically, mm-hmm. he's letting this creature run wild mm-hmm. and kill everyone in its path. Um, and this one guy who happens to be the father of the kid that we saw at the beginning mm-hmm. says, my son told me in Nilfgaard that the king did nothing while his subjects starved. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. someone came, the usurper. Mm-hmm. They rallied the people and took back what was theirs. We should follow their lead. Mm. I'm guessing they're talking about Amir here, but I'm still super confused. Actually, yeah. Okay, so because of the, the timeline skipping that this show has been doing so far... Um, it's very hard to say. It might be Amir. Um, Questionable. Yeah. And based on what they're describing, it sounds like it could be Amir, Mm -hmm. but we don't, we know that this happened way, way in the past. Uh, This is like, this is like the first story. This is like the beginning of the Witcher saga. At least of Geralt's Um, timeline. Yes. Because we know there's another timeline that comes Mm -hmm. before it, but let's, Get into that a little later. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Geralt's listening to this whole rally, and um, he's like mm-hmm. been there the whole time apparently. And he says, "Kill your king." Sounds like a great plan. Yeah. And um, everyone's like, "Well, what do you know?" And he's mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. "Well, like I could take care of this problem for you." Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Well, what if you die?" And he says, "Well, then I die." If I die, like, then I die. <laughs> I take payment after I kill the monster. So, yeah. um, and so this this guy comes up and he's well guarded. He's got like basically the king's guard with him, and he says like, "All right, everyone, go home." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I won't tell the king about your treason. Yeah, we're not going to talk about what happened here because I understand you guys are upset, but you guys need to go home now. And he's the leader of this group which mm-hmm, happens mm-hmm. to be the father of the kid who was killed mm-hmm. says well the king is hiding in his winter castle as we are eaten yeah yep um and the king's like right hand man says mm-hmm. revenge won't ease your pain though and the father says well you know nothing of my pain mm-hmm. so everyone sort of separates and Geralt like goes to talk to the king's like right hand man and mm-hmm, says mm-hmm. well does Foltest have a plan about any yeah, of yeah. this because it seems like he doesn't this kind of needs a plan and the guy sort of coldly says well Tamaria has had its fill of witchers for the moment mm-hmm. 
why don't you come with me? I'll escort you to the boundaries of Tamaria. Yeah, yep. And so, like, later that night, they're walking through a forest, and all the men start falling off their horses, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Geralt is like, what is going on? Yep. And yep. then he hears a voice say, Witcher. 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 <laughs> Witcher. Um, Witcher. You can put down your sword. I'm not here to hurt you. And it is Triss Marigold. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They have, like, a little of a, is it a flirty exchange? I can't even tell. Uh, Sure. <laughs> and uh, it's a flirty exchange for this show. Geralt's like, I'm not here to hurt you, says the witch hiding in the woods. And she's like, it's actually mm. sorceress. And Geralt's like, witch. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good question in this universe is what is the difference between a sorceress and a witch? Because both exist. But mm-hmm. uh, that's a topic for a different show. So it is Triss Marigold, who is a character in the mm-hmm, books. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she will play a different role in the TV series. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But she serves King Foltis. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she says, I'm not coming on his behalf, but I'm coming on my behalf. And he's like, okay, so you want me to kill this creature or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she says, I don't want you to kill the beast. I want you to help me save it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So she gives him some background as they go back to her office i guess like (laughs) come back to my witch office (laughs) um so this started happening six years ago and people Mm -hmm. keep disappearing like it's getting more frequent and um people suddenly realize that this creature was coming from fulta's sister's ada's crypt Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so the rumor was that she was having an affair with a young man in town and Geralt asked well was she pregnant Mm -hmm. and Tris says, well, if she were, that would make her child the sole heir of the throne since Fultis never married. Yeah, yep. Um, I have, like, a vested interest in this. Nilfgaard recently overthrew their king. Mm. I'm kind of here to make sure it doesn't happen in Tamaria. Yeah, <laughs> because guess, who, guess who's the first ones on the pikes is usually the uh, the king's uh, court. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm right there. <laughs> Geralt says, like, well, I've heard it's a voodoo lock, and if it is, it can't be cured. And Tris says, well, it's not a voodoo lock. Mm-hmm. Um, so she takes him to these, like, secret chambers, and she's like, I want you to tell me who killed these people. And there's a bunch of corpses that are buried in sand, and there's a witcher here who has had his eyes gouged out. And, mm-hmm. like, Geralt sort of reaches in the skies, like, He just starts digging in. And yep. uh, he's like, huh. His heart and liver have been removed. Mm, I only mm. know one creature that's that picky, a striga. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gets really mad at Triss and says, well, you led people to believe that a witcher had fled with their coin. Mm-hmm. You didn't want to make them believe that a creature had bested a witcher. Yeah. Anyway, strigas are very rare. Like, mm-hmm. really, the only way to make one is through a curse. Someone yeah. must have cursed Ada. And turned her daughter into a striga in the process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So our creature is actually a princess. That's interesting. That's a turn. Yeah. So we cut to Eretuza and mm-hmm. we check back in with Yenny. Yep. So Yen and Eastrid, her high school sweetheart, are getting uh, it sure. on. Yeah. Um, so they're going at it, and um, she's manifested like a royal court to watch mm, them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm kind of freaked out about this. Can you make them do something? Mm-hmm. And um, she like starts going at it a little more furiously. And when he comes, she makes them clap. They do a nice little golf clap, like a 
<laughs> yes, very good, very nice. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So as they're getting dressed, they have the classic, like, where is this going conversation? What are we? Yennefer is like, I guess we'll have to see what happens, like, when the court assignments are made. So if you were introducing me to your friends, what would you describe me as? A hunchback? Oh, that was the wrong answer. Oops. <laughs> um, Swing and a miss. <laughs> we also learn here that Stregobor is the head of the Brotherhood, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. That is definitely different from the books. I remember when I was reading the episode where Stregobor is featured or the chapter where Stregobor is featured, I asked for him to have mm-hmm. a more prominent role, but actually I don't like him in this. Yeah, actually, I was thinking the exact same thing. Like, <laughs> he's really interesting in his chapters. And it, it might also be, be the difference between like the writing of the showrunners and the writing of Ansei um, in that he's really kind of uninteresting. <laughs> As as like a member of the council. Eastred is like, now we get to make the decisions. Mm-hmm. We get to be who we want to be. Mm-hmm. And Yennefer's worried because she says, well, Frangilla and the others know what they want to do. Eastred's mm-hmm. like, well, don't worry. And Yennefer is like, well, that's kind of easy for you to say. You're a dude and in this society. Plus you're like a sorcerer and it's a little bit easier for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. So Easter is like, well, what do you want? And Yennefer says, I want to go back home to Adern and show them bitches I'm back in a big way. <laughs> I mean, that's a translation, <laughs> but that's kind of what she wants to do. It's paraphrasing, but it's accurate. So Yennefer also meets with the plastic surgeon for mm-hmm. the sorceresses, <laughs> for lack the of a mag- better term. magic plastic surgeon. And she has a crazy mustache. He's got a Gary Oldman mustache. Yeah, he's like, um, well, you are a first draft of what nature intended, and I'm mm, an artist. Mm-hmm. Time for a makeover. You came into my life, <laughs> and the world never looks so... <laughs> Sorry. Um, so they are in a literal ring of fire. I want to make mm-hmm. sure that you know of that. Um, yeah. So there's like a, all these dresses that are circulating around them. Yeah. And yeah. Um, he says, I'll make a living work of art out of you. Mm-hmm. No matter how challenging the clay, I make it work. And wow. um, wow. thanks. Okay. Thanks, that, man. Thanks. Ow. <laughs> um, so he hands her this dress and she's dazzled. Jennifer is absolutely dazzled by mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And she's holding it up to her. And Tasea comes in and sees her holding this dress up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so he leaves the room and Tasea and Yennefer like in front of a mirror. Tasea says, there is not a person alive who doesn't look in a mirror and see some deformity except us. We remake ourselves on our terms. Hmm. No one has any say on it. Mm. Yennefer says she doesn't know where to begin. And Tasea says, imagine the most powerful woman in the world. Mm-hmm. What does she look like? What is her posture? What is the color of her eyes? And Yennefer looks in her mirror and she sees all of this possibility. Back in Tamaria, Geralt is holding court in front of Foltest. And um, Triss is explaining he can lift the curse. Everyone's kind of confused. Like, why would anyone want to curse Princess Ada? She was the people's princess. She was basically mm-hmm. Princess Diana. Like, oh, who you would, beat me to it. Who would want to hurt her? Foltus is kind of scared because he thinks that if Geralt is given access, he'll just kill her. Mm-hmm. Um, Geralt explains, well, the Striga is like an overgrown abortion. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. he's kind of a little harsh about it. Um, yeah, yeah. And 
Foltis is like, okay, everybody leave. And then Geralt tells everyone to go ahead of him and then like the last guy, yeah, (laughs) like pushes the last guy out before he goes out and then locks the door. And so he goes back up to Foltis and he's like, okay, tell me the real story. Like, who is the princess's father really? Yeah. Like, okay. I know the truth here. Here's what I find interesting. Mm -hmm. You learn your sister was murdered. You didn't even flinch. But then I mentioned the girl's Mm -hmm, father and mm -hmm. I saw your reaction. Mm -hmm. And you never married. Yeah. Suspicious. Why else would you not kill the Striga? Like, why drag this all out? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Fultis just, like, takes a complete left turn. And he's like, well, I've heard all the stories about witchers. It must be true what they say about the mutations erasing the emotions. Only a heartless man could make this kind of accusation. Mm -hmm. He's like, I want you to leave Tamaria and never return. Just as he's saying that, like all of his men finally break past the barricade that Mm -hmm. Geralt set Mm -hmm. up and Geralt starts to leave. So to say it and the council are meeting and they're having a conversation about world affairs Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they're talking about Sintra Mm. which is apparently continuing its hostility towards the organization, meaning the chapter. Yep. yep. Um, and they've enlisted druids or worse, fortune tellers. Mm-hmm. Um, we know they're not real magic users. So Sintra's king, Dagrad, is still reigning in his band mages. Mm-hmm. And Princess Kalanthe, his daughter, is even more stubborn than her father is. Yeah, yep. Um, they're talking sort of about court assignments and they, mm-hmm. they say King Fergus of Nilfgaard is excitable. I said read <laughs> I'm not sure if that's uh, accurate. Um, he is an excitable king um, and they are... I think that's like literally exactly what they were going for. Yeah. They want to assign Fringilla there. Mm-hmm. And the head of the chapter says no ambitious mage is assigned south of Sodden. Mm-hmm. Nilfgaard mm-hmm. needs correcting. What about that uh, girl of yours, the hunchback, that mm-hmm. protege? Mm-hmm. Um, Jennifer, like, why don't we just put her there? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. to say as nobody's going to miss her um, anyways, right? Like, no. Like, Jennifer is supposed to be assigned to Ader, and like mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. we all knew this. Yep. Um, and Stregobor is like, well, the only thing Sindra hates more than mages is elves. And the head of the chapter is like, Annifer is of elven blood. Wait, what? Um, and to say is like, wait, wait, wait. She only has like a quarter elf quarter, blood. Quarter, quarter, quarter elf. Yeah, yep. And Stregobor is like, well, Sintra doesn't care about what percentage they are. They mm, have operated mm-hmm. outside of our influence for too long. Um, so basically, she can't be assigned to Adern because of their association with Sintra. Yep. yep. Um, so they say unchecked kings and queens lead to rebellions and massacres. It's why this mm, chapter mm, was formed. Mm. And to say it asks, well, still afraid of Falca, argue? Um, n- no. I mean, have you heard anything? Is she behind me? Um, so it's decided that they're going to assign Fringilla to Adern and Yennefer to Nilfgaard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Tisea accuses the head of the chapter of nepotism because Fringilla is his niece. I mean, if the glove fits. <laughs> <laughs> so later, Yennefer finds out that she is being sent to Nilfgaard and she's demanding an audience with the chapter to say is like, well, there's no need because I handle all the court assignments. Mm-hmm. And Jennifer is like, I don't believe that. Yeah. I think you were overruled <laughs> by the chapter. They outvoted you, didn't they? 
Um, and to say like, fine, it's because you're an elf, all right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Yennefer realizes the only way that Stregobor knew, so Tisea yep. tells her that Stregobor was the one that told them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the only way that Stregobor knew was because of her boyfriend, mm-hmm. Eastred. He was sometimes the other person that knew. Sometimes it's not so important what you know as to how you know it. And so Yennefer storms out. Mm-hmm. Back in Temeria, Geralt is hiding outside of the castle like a creep. Triss approaches him and she's like, well, why haven't you left Temeria yet? And uh, he jokes like, well, these views, like how mm-hmm. could you leave this? Yep. Um, and so they're walking inside of the ruins of this castle and Triss is like what is this girl to you why do you even care and mm-hmm. girls like you first why <laughs> help those who won't listen mm-hmm. um so they distract the guards and um as they're in the castle Triss tells him that Tamaria reeks with secrets i can smell them she says you sense them too they see this creepy picture of fultus and ada in the hallway mm-hmm. and she asks mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. what happened to them um, and he doesn't, Geralt doesn't respond. So she says, not asking questions is part of your brooding charm. It's a good thing she finds it charming. Geralt is like, well, I'm pretty sure Fultus is the father. Mm. <laughs> they, um, the father of the Striga, by the That's way. It's a pretty, pretty hot take. They um, go into Ada's bedroom and... Triss asks Geralt if Foltis could have cursed her. Mm-hmm. And Geralt is like, I don't know. And he starts sniffing, which is never a good sign. Um, he's sniffing like right in front of her bed. <laughs> Meanwhile, Triss finds this creepy music box and like this figure of a king and queen pops up. Mm-hmm. She starts like um, playing with like the keys and a secret door opens. And she finds oh. a pack of letters from Foltis's parents. And in it, the queen mother discusses their affair. Mm-hmm, Apparently, mm-hmm. Ada got pregnant with Volta's child, and she refused to get rid of him oh, or her. Mm, sorry, uh, mm-hmm. um, she refused to get rid of her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and they like figure out, well, okay, this must have just been like an incest child. Mm-hmm. So they confront the same like henchmen of Volta's mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. they've been encountering, and. Yep. They're like, hey, we know the truth. And he says, well, I thought of myself as Ada's protector. And he worries that her relationship with Foltis, her brother, was not consensual. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they talk about it for a minute. And then Gerald's like, I know what you did. I smelled what you were doing. Yeah. I, I smelled. Know you were there. Old I know what and you were new. Doing. You were both jacking off before and after. Oh. <laughs> Gross. Oh. <laughs> this is a regular thing. Ew. Um, so he's like, well, you guys should be going after Fultus and not me. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. as long he's as I'm alive, guy. I'm not going to let this secret out. I'm not going to let anyone know about this. Like, her memory will not be sullied as long as I'm alive. Mm-hmm. Fultus will watch as to marry a turns against him mm, mm. so Geralt knocks the guy out of course yeah yeah we get a like cut back to the graduation of all of the uh, chapter sorceresses and mm, Sabrina mm. Glesvizig infamous Yennefer frenemy is making her vows to the chapter oh hey Sabrina and uh, Eastred and Frangilla are both there and they communicate telepathically mm, um, and mm. they're like Whereas Yennefer and Fringilla's like, she's gone. Like, she's not here for some reason. Yennefer's not here, man. So 
Yennefer is obviously mad at Eastred because he's the only one who could have told Stregobor about mm-hmm, her heritage mm-hmm. and Stregobor goes to find her and he says like okay like what's going on I'm sorry like I told Stregobor but you missed the whole thing like mm-hmm, you can't mm-hmm. be assigned to a chapter anymore you can't or, just show up she's like cool well can your apology save me from Nilfgaard like mm-hmm, can it take mm-hmm. me to Aedir anywhere else yeah um Eastred says, look, I can help you. I've been offered a prestigious spot in Tamaria. We mm-hmm. can travel together. Like, you don't have to, like, be a court mage anywhere. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, oh, great. A life holding a dustpan while you dust off bones. That's not destiny. That's slow suicide. Ooh. Eastred is like, well, I was going to Tamaria for you. Mm-hmm. Yennefer is like, well, what could you possibly understand about me? My world is cruel. Mm-hmm. And Eastred is like, well, victimhood is not your color, babe. Mm. And she says, nor is heroism yours. Ooh. And as she's storming off, Eastred says, well, you're just mad because you lost your chance to be beautiful. Yennefer says, it is what I'm owed. He responds, no amount of power or beauty will ever make you feel worthy of either. (laughs) So she continues storming out. Eastred has uh, one of those big red flags in a relationship where um, they use the things that you say in confidence against you in a Mm. fight. That is a, there's um, there, there's there's banners that aren't big enough and red enough to like throw that up really as a as a cautionary like alert. Very true. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So we cut to this weird wizard ball. <laughs> the weirdest wizard yeah. ball ever was. They have this like ethereal sort of music. There's like zodiac signs in the floor. And everyone's dressed up. Can you stop? (laughs) Um, Stop. stop. (laughs) So everyone's dressed up. And actually, we see the child versions of Fultist and Ada at Mm, this mm. ball, letting us know Mm. that this happens about 30 to 40 years ago. Honestly, like, it's such a little dumb thing, but I'm really glad they included it. It does show us where it it, is. Yeah. It anchors it so well in the timeline. And you're just like, oh, thank God. Now I know where I am in, in time. Like while this ball is going on, Yennefer approaches the like um, artiste, the mm, plastic surgeon mm-hmm. and says, I want to be enchanted like right now. Have you considered adding huge tracks of land? He's like, I'm really not sure that I'm like supposed to do this. Mm-hmm, like it's after mm-hmm. all the enchantments. And she's like, the line is the, the council would have my head if I were to do such a thing. And uh, Yennefer responds with, why does to say are not already own your cock? <laughs> Sorry. Fantastic dialogue, honestly. A great line from Yennefer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's like, fucking do it. And he's like, fucking well, I, do I don't have any anesthesia left. I he's have like, a I stick. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Do it. Yep. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> so back into Maria, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Geralt is about to fight with every last one of Fultis' guards. Yep. And then Foltis tells them to like lay down their arms and he approaches Geralt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he's like, well, Triss told me that you're a cool dude. Like, I should trust you. Yeah, yeah. And he says, well, will this work? And Geralt's like, I really don't know. And he asks, will my daughter be normal? 
and he responds she'll need special care. All she's ever known is rage and hunger. She's going to need to know that it's not okay to eat people. There's like certain things you can do, like you can wear a sapphire that mm-hmm, mm. certain things will prevent the curse from coming back. That's from the book, though. It, it is, He actually. doesn't say that in the show. Huh. Well, maybe I'm just imagining things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so Geralt's like, hey, I have a gift for the princess, and he hands her this brooch. Interestingly, this is the brooch that he got from Renfri mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the first episode. Ooh, which, uh, side side note, I noticed uh, a visual reference in the latest uh, Animal Crossing Valhalla or uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla DLC uh, that you were playing through uh, yesterday. One of the kings, I don't even know the character names, um, was wearing a brooch that looked almost identical. I don't know if it's a reference, but we'll just say it is. I feel like it was because I feel like they would have been working on this DLC at about the time that this uh, series would have aired, so... Boltus is kind of surprised, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, where did you get this? And Geralt says, this isn't my first time trying to save a princess who others see as a monster. Mm. And Boltus is like, oh, cool, like, what happened to the other princess? Ooh, and uh, Geralt's uh, like, sore mm. subject, I killed her. <laughs> I killed her. <laughs> um, don't ask questions you don't want to know the answer to. Boltus says, you know, like me and Ada tried to resist each other, which, well, gross. Um, okay, can we can we stop now? Can, I just, I just, I, I can see where this conversation is going. I'm I, not here for it. I, I don't need justification. And I, oh, you're you're still talking. Okay, okay. Uh, okay. He he says like it must be nice to never like fall in love. And uh, Carol's like, <laughs> ha 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 ha. Screams internally. <laughs> Um, cool. So, next thing we know it, Fultus henchman slash right-hand man is chained to a bed. Mm-hmm. And Geralt's like, tell me how to lift the curse, like, right now. Geralt gets into the real kinky shit. And he's like, all right, all right, all right. I met a witch, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and she told me like you do. to wait until a full moon and mm-hmm, then to mm-hmm. bathe in lamb's blood. Mm-hmm. Until, and like, enchant this weird elder speech phrase mm-hmm, until mm-hmm. the rooster crowed three times mm-hmm, let's mm-hmm. remember three times okay and the number shall be shall be three not two <laughs> four is right out <laughs> so he realizes oh you're gonna have to fight her until dawn and girl's like yeah yeah <laughs> it's gonna be harder for me okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> why do you think i'm so pissed off so Geralt speedruns taking some winter potions. Mm-hmm. He's like, all right, I got to like rip off the cap of this one. Kind of like me driving to Florida at one <laughs> o'clock in the morning, you know, just pulling out like five hour energies, just ripping them open, just, <laughs> just, just like snorting them, basically. So back at Eratusa, Yennefer is about to be transformed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she tells the artiste to leave her eyes and her scars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's like, there is a cost to creation. Mm-hmm. To be reborn, there are sacrifices you have to make. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then we cut back to Geralt in the crypt. Uh, he leaves the servant. I keep calling him servant, but he's really just the henchman slash uh, like. Hand of the king? Yeah, whatever. Sure. He's tied up to the bed still. He's the vice president. And he hears this creature coming closer and a tongue drops down from the ceiling, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the striga devours him. Mm-hmm. There's just, like, intestines all over the floor. Yep, yep. 
Geralt is um, lassoing up a silver chain and mm-hmm. he like wraps it around her and she immediately breaks through it. <laughs> immediately. <Fuck. laughs> um, Geralt does like a little. Took him a day. <laughs> I got the silver chain for nothing. Um, so Geralt does like a little sign and he blows her back and they both fall through the floor mm-hmm. at a certain point. Um, we're interspersed with Yennefer's transformation here. Mm-hmm. Literally, her ovaries are torn out and burned. I want to point that out because I, it was traumatic. I don't have those bits and I still cringed in pain. Like that, that is, <laughs> ah. Uh, her spine is being reformed mm-hmm, and being mm-hmm. burned off. And mm-hmm. she's doing all of this without being knocked out. Mm-hmm. So fun for her. Fun. Um, Geralt finds out that some of his potions are broken. Yep. And yep. so yep. he has mm-hmm. to continue to duke it out without any assistance. You mean I got to do this sober? God. Oh, damn it. <laughs> um, so he, like, after fighting her for a while, hides in her sarcophagus mm-hmm. and forms a sign to seal it. Mm-hmm. Which I think might have been Quen, but I, I don't know. So in the morning, mm-hmm. um, Geralt mm-hmm. emerges and the rooster has only crowed twice. Okay, Mm -hmm. twice. But it's a subtle thing that you're not listening to. You're not paying attention to. They don't even actually explain it in the show. In the book, yeah, yeah. I just want you to pay attention to that Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he emerges and the Striga now has a human form. Yep, there's there's a girl laying on the floor in front of him covered in mud. And then we see Yennefer on the floor bloody like she's being reborn. And Geralt is approaching this girl who is now looking like way more normal Mm -hmm, and mm. he like leans down to her which fatal mistake Mm. um and she bites him on the neck and he bites her back oh hang on uh so it's her claws she rakes him with her claws because her hand still hasn't changed back but the claws break off in his neck uh huh. Uh huh. Sorry, I don't mean to. Well, she injures him pretty badly. Then he bites her. And he bites her. Yep. And then he faints, mm-hmm. like in absolute agony. Yes. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of blood. So we're back at the ball, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Jennifer has that classic scene where mm-hmm. the nerd mm-hmm. takes off her glasses. And oh she's my God, she's hot. hot. <laughs> Yennefer is so hot right now. That Yennefer is so hot right now. Um, so yeah, she's full transformation. Yestrid mm-hmm. um, is real mad because mm-hmm. she's hot now and we just broke up. I'm so <laughs> he, mad. He literally does that thing where he just like shoves the nerd that he's talking to like out of the way <laughs> and just like walks over to her like confidently. Like it's it's such a hilarious and classic like movie cliche. Mm-hmm. So she immediately walks up to the King of Adern and mm-hmm. is like, mm-hmm. enchanté. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the king is Je suis Yennefer. <laughs> <laughs> Je suis Yennefer. Um, and the king is like into her immediately and like Frangilla who is supposed to be his advisor is like completely like pushed away. Wait, what? <laughs> um, Frangilla was being rejected already because she's not from Adern mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. said I wanted someone from Adern. Mhm. Mhm. And to say it's like I know I tried to help you. Mm-hmm. Um so the king is like let's dance weirdly in the middle of the floor to this bizarre music that no one can dance to. He engages in a little inappropriate like touching. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's, 
it's strange for everyone involved. Mm-hmm, Let me mm-hmm. just say that. So it does also beg the question of like, and and you and I both agreed to this. Like, it's a weird like cinematic choice because like the it raises the question in your mind of like, okay, is this the soundtrack for the show or are they actually listening to this I, in the I actually in do the room? Know that. I want to know that <laughs> because this is not danceable. Like, there you can't dance <laughs> to this music. <laughs> And so, like, okay, are they dancing to this, or is this the music that we're hearing, Mm -hmm. or is it both? I don't know. I'm in the weeds on this music. Anyway, it's not important. Well, it is a good question. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. So, to say is, like, looking on, like, what the fuck have I done? Mm -hmm, (laughs) Like, mm -hmm. what is going on? And Yennefer is just kind of, like, looking over at Frangela, like, enjoy Nilfgaard, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So, um... Geralt wakes up in a bed and is back in Triss's witch lounge, I want to say. Witch, witch's hovel. It's a hovel. God, get it right. Um, and You're clearly not ready to be a, like a, a, a wetland witch. Uh, yeah, not yet. Not no, yet. I'm, no. I'm working up to that. So Okay, um, you'll, you'll, you'll join us eventually. Triss has nursed him back to health. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she's like, you've been talking about Renfrey all the time. We mm-hmm. hear like this interspersed with like Renfrey, Renfrey's like, Renfrey. the girl in the woods will be with you always. Be with you always. Carol. <laughs> um, you choose and you'll never know which one was the right choice. She'll be with you always. Renfrey. <laughs> <laughs> um, Triss is like, your scars heal quite nicely. <laughs> they, they don't though. He's covered in scars. <laughs> Your will to live is strong. Girl's like, what happened to the princess? And yeah. uh, is she hurt from you like biting her ear off? I I may have like Mike Tysoned her. <laughs> um, and uh, if she has any questions, I had nothing to do with it. Apparently, she is staying with the priestesses of Melitel, um, mm. which this is something we'll get into. Um, well, actually, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, so Foltest has apparently issued a statement that his henchman gave his life nobly mm-hmm, to save mm-hmm. the princess. Nobly. Anyone else would have killed the princess. Triss says to Geralt, you chose not to. Mm-hmm. And Geralt's like, I've got a horse. I need to get back to. <laughs> <laughs> is that a metaphor? Are you, do you have to poop? Um, oh no! You you have an actual horse that you oh oh that somebody yeah, you owe yeah. money to oh, oh okay this is awkward all right well um, uh sure so Tris is like who is Renfrey anyway mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. hers is the only name you uttered and the girl's like can you just give me my money please mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, she's like so that's all there is for you monsters and money he's like yeah pretty much it's all there needs uh, to be where is my coin please please mm-hmm, on delay. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, you know, a vortex of fate is all around us. Mm. Uh, this is exactly Mother Naneke's line. I was going to say, actually, that is that is a verbatim line from uh, Mother Naneke. We'll talk a little bit more about Mother Naneke mm-hmm. soon. Um, so she hands him a pouch and it has like the same brooch that he gave to Foltis. Mm-hmm. It's the brooch that was from Renfrey. Yeah, yeah. And she says, I feel something out there waits for you. Something more. And it cuts to Siri. So something more is the chapter where mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Geralt and Siri reunite in sort of destiny. Just want to say that. Yeah, some cool little references here. So then we cut to Siri, who has been running through the forest, mm-hmm. escaping Syndra. Mm-hmm. And um, 
she is leaving her elven friend Dara behind. Mm-hmm. And he's running after Siri. Like, where are you going? Oh, she's not running. No, she's doing that weird, slow, like zombie possessed kid trance. walk. Yeah. Like, kids are creepy. We get it. Like, ooh. and arrows are like shooting around them. And mm-hmm. Dara is like running into a straight line. Like, are you crazy? You zigzag. Zigzag. Yeah. Zigzag, yeah. man. Dodge and weave, man. Uh, Dodge and weave. <laughs> and he's like, he noticing that they're in a like graveyard there's corpses literally everywhere and we know now john mark where are we this is brokelon this is brokelon this is brokelon this is brokelon and it calls out to siri Mm -hmm. and that is the end of episode three and scene now well (laughs) (laughs) um so Episode three. What did you think of this episode, though? Um, this episode is fantastic. I, this is like the... So this is kind of like the the story that like hooked me in really? The Witcher. Yeah, um, because it is very... It is pretty distinct. Um, it really shows a lot of the character of Geralt, um, especially in that like he didn't kill the monster. Like he's supposed to be a big monster hunter. Um, does a good job of establishing that, um, does a good job of establishing his abilities. I was really interested in the fact that they made it the third episode, um, because I really, I really feel like this should be episode one. This should pretty much always be episode one, always is episode one. I don't fully understand why they chose it as episode three, but eh. Well, let, well, let's get into it a little. So let's mm-hmm. do, um, well, actually. Okay. Uh, well, actually. <laughs> um, so this is the section where I describe what actually happened in the book mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and where it differs yep. from the adaptation. First of all, Triss is not there at all. Okay. Well, yeah, let's get into that. Nope, 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 nope. Triss is gone. So there are two basic storylines in this. Um, mm-hmm. One is based on the very first short story in the last wish and this is about the striga not a lot has changed about the content of that short story however tris marigold is not part of it mm-hmm. um tris is introduced here i think because they wanted to introduce her in the first season yeah in the book series she's not introduced until um blood of elves yeah so yeah. i think they wanted like hey let's introduce her here it does sort of make a weird sense because Triss mm-hmm, is from mm-hmm. Tamaria. We know that yeah. she advised King Foltis at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Um, she but, genuinely, generally does fit here. So, But that leads me to my other point, which is Triss is merged with another character mm-hmm. from the book, which is Mother Naneke. Yep, we alluded to that during the summary. Yeah, Mother yeah. Naneke is a character that is not in the TV show at all. Mm-hmm. Um, she is the head priestess of the mm. temple of melatel which is a goddess who's like sort of a fertility sort of like yeah a women's goddess I Easter. Would say. yeah and Geralt is very close to mother neneke she is a begrudging mother figure to him mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he sort of goes there whenever he has problems this is yeah uh the temple of melatel is basic or melatele is basically like his safe house Mm-hmm. It's kind of where he goes to lay low after he got in some shit. Yeah, and so they merge Triss with 
Naneke a little. They give mm, her mm. some lines. That whole thing about the vortex of fate is actually yeah, Mother yep. Naneke's line. I can kind of see why they didn't introduce Mother Naneke here, but because it's a little bit hard because it's interspersed with a short story. So basically what Anse did is he wanted a narrative. So mm-hmm, he introduced mm-hmm. the voice of reason chapters in The Last Wish, which are a narrative about um, like Geralt coming after the Striga attack and recovering. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of hard to tell that story without it pulling you more out of the timeline. So yeah. I get why they didn't include it, but I do love Naneke because she's a plant lady, much like myself. <laughs> she, yeah, like it, she's a great character, and I absolutely love her. But yeah, you, she is one of those like you, you probably could take her out, and it wouldn't necessarily affect the plot too much. It does make me curious about what they're going to do with Triss's character because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in so there are different it's different in according to what medium you're in. Yeah, yep. In the book, very different. In the book, Triss. Okay, look, we're not going to get into the whole Triss versus Yennefer thing because I think Yes, we are. Yennefer is clearly better. Let's we just, have an opinion on this podcast. I am a I am a Jennifer Geralt shipper, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that let, let's just get into it. So in the book, Triss is a simp for Geralt. Yeah, actually, she that's a good way to describe her. She has a crush her. on Geralt that is not fulfilled. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they do sleep together at one point. It is magically compelled. Mm-hmm. And for the rest of the book, she just sort of has a big, weird crush that's never reciprocated. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the video games, mm-hmm, there is mm-hmm. a different storyline where Triss and Geralt, after him having amnesia, apparently mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. runs back into her and they build a relationship. Yeah. It's a little bit different. She, um, she also like magically like controls him, uh, for a long period of time, apparently. Um, it's in the book though. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's in the book. Oh, Yes. She just didn't. I forgot the, about that whole the, chapter. In the video game, <laughs> yes, she you didn't are correct. tell him about all of the, like, Yennefer and Siri stuff. Yeah. And, okay. and that the whole reason they invented that is because they didn't include Yennefer and Siri in the first two games. Yeah. They had to explain it somehow. Amnesia. <laughs> so the Yennefer segment of this story is not rooted in any book lore. Mm-hmm. There is so they they haven't there's an implication in it um, in one of the earlier chapters. I can't remember exactly where, um, but somebody says something to the effect of uh, the narrator says something to the effect of like when when Yennefer looked back at them, uh, they saw the cold, the cold, stony eyes of a hunchback. No, no, no. So the only real things about Yennefer's past that we ever learn Mm -hmm. is that she's a hunchback. This is realized by Geralt in The Last Wish, the short story in the first book. Okay. um, Where he realizes if she ever knew that I figured this out about her, then she would not want to associate with me. Mm -hmm. So he he knows that partially because he's sort of doing this for a living, like mm-hmm. identifying monsters. Yeah, yep. Um, so he figures this out about her. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also knows just from background that sorceresses tend to be these disfigured girls who are enchanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Um, we also learn about Yennefer, that she has all these kind of tumultuous relationships with other sorceresses, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Sabrina, 
only because we've seen banquets with them. Hi, Sabrina. Yeah. So we learned that she has these sort of tumultuous relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, we know that Yennefer has a tragic backstory because of a line in Tower of Swallows. Mm -hmm. So these are the only three things we know about Yennefer. I think they do a good job, relatively good job, of putting this all together. Yeah, yeah. But there is no basis Mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. this exactly like they they use like i want to say they actually use this to create her back they use this to create her backstory but there isn't really any basis for it yeah, in yep. the book um also i want to point out that frangilla is not a classmate of yennefer's at eratusa okay. she is from nilfgaard oh okay so they kind yes. of turn that on its head and that Frangilla is supposed to be from the north who is assigned as a court mage to Nilfgaard. That makes more sense. I never really thought about it too much, but yes. Also, we'll get into more of Siri and Brokolon. She does go mm, to Brokolon. Mm. It's a lot different. That's in the next episode, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's quite a bit different. <laughs> um. <laughs> so that includes... Um, well, actually. Mm, well, actually. Shall we <laughs> climb out of the well then? Yes. Let's climb out of the well. Okay. And it's time for our... Okay. So I want to do a joint like um, Unsolved Mysteries, which is the section mm-hmm, where we mm-hmm. discuss like glaring plot holes mm-hmm. and a last call. Yes where, yes. where we discuss like the enduring questions or the other observations we have. Okay. So you had a unsolved mystery for us to discuss. I do have an unsolved mystery. Um, so my one of my big bugaboos uh, with this episode, um, and if you don't like that word, I saw you roll your eyes. I don't like it. You're going to have to deal with it because that's going to be a new class in D&D. One of my big bugaboos is the fact that... so. Yennefer, I love, first off, let me start start this by saying, like, I love Yennefer's um, backstory here. It really does absolutely wonders for fleshing out her character. It makes her more relatable. It makes her very dynamic. Um, she's already a very dynamic character who we absolutely love. Realistically, she's low-key the main character of the whole book series. Um, but the the whole magic plastic surgery thing raises a lot of questions because there are a lot of cases in the book series where um, like people have been like horribly maimed in the past from like attacks and things like that. And then have had themselves like magically altered to look a certain way. Like who? Okay. So like almost everybody that was at, at the battle of Sodden. I mean the, the battle of Sodden, Kind of sounds like everybody came back missing some sort of appendage. Well, okay, so it depends. Mm-hmm. Um, so Yennefer was blind. Uh, Triss had no hair and was missing most hair of her hair. Hair is a hand. little bit easier to grow. I, back. I mean, hair grows back, but um, so so th- I think there's I've, also Vogelfort's assistant uh, who was missing her entire that jaw. That was an illusion, though. So okay, so this is where the questioning comes in: is that like, is this magical plastic surgery like? actually like recreating physical tissue or is this i'm assuming these aren't illusions because they are spells of some kind that are cause that are they're long-standing rituals that have a very high cost which usually to me implies that it's an actual like physical recreation of matter type thing um maybe i'm going a little too deep into this 
So the okay, there there's a lot of of things that are unexplained in the book, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's probably on purpose because they're hard to explain. Yeah, yeah, because um, there is you do have to hit the I believe button at some point. So one of the things is that sorceresses are like magically changed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, to be more attractive because that is what is expected of them. Yep, yep. The the problem in the TV show is that only Yennefer is deformed. Only yes. Yennefer has a deformity. Everyone else is a normal looking person. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They don't really change at all. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that that is a big plot hole is why is Yennefer the only person that is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like they, they say that other people go through the enchantments, but no one else changes physically. Well, yeah. So they, they also talk about like the enchantments having happened, you know, take your enchantments, at least in the show, in this episode. But we don't actually see what any of them do. Like we don't see the results yeah. of those. We don't see like a before and after. Not a big deal, but like. So, and the other thing is too that in the book, like all of the other sorceresses are be, are described as being like magically beautiful, right? Um, and like noticeably, like strikingly so, mm-hmm. um, because they're all vain and shallow and just need to be. But also because it's it's a an important thing for them when they're you know have when they have the ear of the of a king you know the king is more inclined to listen to someone who's aesthetically pleasing it is confusing based on the tv's the tv series portrayal of this um i will also say i kind of i kind of like that they attempted to explain the infertility yeah actually that was a pretty cool like taking out her ovaries which i think is what they were implying Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um is a good way to explain why a lot of sorceresses are infertile which is a big plot point in the yes yes um but it does like did they take all the other yes (laughs) yes now it raises the question of for what if they weren't ugly then why do they need to be frangilla looks the same Everyone else looks the same. Everyone else looks exactly the same. Which, okay, so don't get me wrong, like, is a fantastic thing for representation in Hollywood. And, like, absolutely all for it. But you got to fix those plot holes a little bit. There's a lot of plot holes with that. It, it raises questions that need answering. Um, yeah, so there's, there's yeah. a lot of questions with that. I totally yep. understand your questions on that. Mm-hmm. I, I want them answered as well yes i think they kind of figured like well we're just going to focus on yennefer's story but it doesn't make sense that all these other sorceresses are seemingly not we kind of we kind of forgot that the others would have had to have had their ovaries taken out you you forgot (laughs) yeah i i do have a lot of questions on that yeah a lot of questions I do also not important questions but questions (laughs) i do also have an enduring question about what tris what Triss Marigold is going to do in the future. Yeah, actually. Is she going to show back up? Yeah. Is she going to be a pivotal character? Is Geralt going to have a more equal relationship with her? Or is she going to have just a, a crush on him? Like, because yeah. it seemed like there was this sort of sexual tension between them. But they, that seems to be Geralt to most women. So. Yeah, that, that is very true. Um, they may kind of be leaving this open a little bit based on whether what they want to do with it. You know what I mean? 
um, that like they may be kind of leaving it a little bit ambiguous so that like if they don't have a relationship in the future, it doesn't seem weird. But also if they do have a relationship in the future, it does seem weird or it doesn't seem weird. Um, it seems weird either way. <laughs> it does seem weird either way. I so actually I, really like their casting of Triss. I mm-hmm, know that mm-hmm. not a lot of people have liked it because, oh, she doesn't have red hair. Well, she doesn't have red hair in the books either, folks. That's true. I want to tell actually, you that, that is... she has chestnut hair in the books, and her hair is supposed to be one of the like most prideful features about her. She loves her hair. Mm-hmm. But it is definitely not red. So... I'm fine with them casting someone who is not white for this role. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's actually good that they have done sort of colorblind casting. We've talked about this before, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. to have a fantasy series, I think a lot of people expect you're just going to hire white people. Yeah. Cast yep. white people. Yeah. And that's just not how you like fantasy is fantasy because we imagine it. Right. Yes. So if yep. we are imagining all of our spaces is white. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I don't think that's like, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I actually like that they've done a lot of, like, I don't want to say even revisionist because mm-hmm. I think that they have made their casting diverse. So I'm well, going to say that I think Triss is actually pretty like well cast. She has yeah, freckles. Yep. She has curly hair. I mean, these are things that I think that I think she looks like a Triss to me. I don't know. What do you think? Um, so, like, I, I was kind of thinking about this a little bit uh, the other day. And, like, I've kind of voiced my opinion of not necessarily liking who they cast as Yen. But I say that, and the more I reflect on it and watching rewatching her performance again, like, she does a really good job um, as Yen. I like I her, mean, too. I mean, honestly. And I think a lot of it is kind of just, like, my own hang-ups on my, like, my, my cognitive imagining of like yen um just like more from like an aesthetic uh standpoint that like i visualize yen as mostly more like uh who uh, how she's portrayed in the video games aesthetically character wise they're both they're they're pretty much on point so and so like can it, i ask you a question though because like mm-hmm. i feel like i'm gonna get into my um feminist jam in a minute but do i feel that way about some of the male characters no absolutely Really? Who? I it's it's so like I do have the same thing with with Geralt and, and Henry Cavill. Like I love Henry Cavill and I love him as Geralt and I would really couldn't think of anyone else that could play him. But you want to cast someone else as him. No, I don't. Um, I really don't. And, and that's the thing. But like I I can't. Who do get... you picture as Geralt then? I picture Geralt as the Geralt from the video games. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that that's really kind of what it comes down to um, is I just think, like the, so, the, the sheer aesthetics of it. So Geralt, I actually think is a little bit more like classically attractive in the mm-hmm. TV show. Yes. Yes. I think actually. Henry Cavill is actually too attractive to play him. Yes. I, um, <laughs> I actually fully agree with you on that. that is, yes. I think it's nice. Like, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a, I'm a woman. I like seeing attractive men. Yeah. I do think he's like a little bit too square jawed and a little bit too muscular to play. Yeah. Is that like, weird to say? No, no, like, because I, I, yeah, like, um, Geralt is very in the books and in, in, you know, in the games, like he's depicted as very unconventionally attractive. Like he's very gaunt. He's also and, like, like, yeah, it is like 
So he is described as very thin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like even Milva says in Milva is a character in Baptism of Fire. Mm-hmm. Milva says like um, hard times have been his friend, not lard and beer. So yeah, it's yep. never like, oh, wow, he's hot. Like, yeah, yep. <laughs> you know? Yes, yes. And like... I absolutely love Henry Cavill as a person. I also love, I love him as Geralt. Like he's a really, I, this, this role completely turned my, my views on him. Um, but also that might have been DC movies in general, uh, <laughs> spoiling my, my views on him in the first place. Um, and, but like, I just kind of can't get like, there's still just that little part of my brain that kind of just is a little bit like, it doesn't quite recognize it as Geralt. Um, I get it. I think that it might be a little easier for me, mm-hmm. maybe, because I started with the TV show, and that is still really stuck in my brain. Well, I actually think that I actually think that the casting is pretty good. For, oh yes, for most yes. people, because like you could do a lot of interpretations of each character. Mm-hmm. Like Absolutely. you could have a million different like people, and you could probably make a good case for everyone mm-hmm. but i think that their interpretation of the witcher is a little different yeah and yep. i think that's good like i think it's good for a fantasy series to look a little different oh yeah and yeah. like i i say that because i think a lot of people have felt outraged mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. the diversity yeah of the yep. witcher casting like fringilla as a black woman I understand how a lot of people have felt that like, oh, well, Frangilla is described as a certain way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think it's like, okay, well, our literature, our literature kind of doesn't leave a lot of room for mm-hmm, black people. Mm-hmm. So yep. I think that you have to think outside of the box for casting sometimes. Yeah. And I actually think like we just have to keep an open mind with some of these things. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, these are just aesthetics. Like it, it's, it's really just, just aesthetic choices that, you know, that were made, you know, by design teams. Um, and I, I will, I say all of these things and it, I do the same thing when I, when, like if I sit down and I watch the TV show and then go back to the video game, the video game looks weird to me. You know what I mean? Um, it's kind of just mm-hmm. like whoever has cognitively taken the place of this character in my brain, if that makes sense. I'm weird because I played so much of the video game and now mm-hmm. I've watched almost every episode like three times that now I picture like Geralt as some mixture of the video game yeah. version <laughs> and Henry Cavill. Yeah, yeah. And I always kind of picture Yennefer as a video game character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a little weird for me. Yeah, I I am like so consumed by The Witcher at this point. I have no idea what way is up and what way is down. Yeah, no, no, and I think part of it also may be that um, the the woman who plays Yennefer is actually pretty close um, to the aesthetics of Yennefer from the video games. Um, I think Anya Charlotra. I think that's her name. Is that her name? Um, okay. I think that any person who portrayed Yennefer was going to like not measure up in some way to some mm-hmm. person. Well, I think and, the way that she plays it though is mm-hmm. really amazing. Like oh, she yeah, gets, absolutely. she gets the character. Mm-hmm. I want to say that. I don't want to say at all that. I think that she 
doesn't portray it correctly, I think her interpretation of Yennefer is correct. Oh, absolutely. And to be able to portray it before and after transformation, I think is amazing. I think one of the big things with this this whole series, too, is that I I really do feel like all of the cast absolutely loves the series. Mm. Um, And I'm. Do you think they've read all the books? That I don't know. I feel like Henry Cavill may have. He's a. I don't know. I think Henry's a a fake nerd. I don't know. I don't know. He's. He's he's got some chops. He's got some nerd. He's got some I nerd don't cred. Know. I don't know. Maybe Henry, maybe. Henry, come on the podcast. <laughs> maybe. Henry, tell us about your. <laughs> tell us, your Henry. <laughs> Please add us. Um, it's po- also possible I'm just fangirling a little bit, but <clears throat> um, also that that meme that was circulating around. It was a picture of Henry Cavill like deep sea fishing, and then the girl dressed up as like the, the in a Halloween costume as a fish. <laughs> Well, I want to ask you, John Mark, I want to ask you something very important. Okay. What is important? How many coins would you toss to this episode of The Witcher? This episode, I would toss 3,000 orins. How many coins would you actually, out of 10? Out of 10, I would give this episode like nine and a half. Really? That's high. I, I love this episode. This is this is the episode that like this episode and this story are really what hooked me into The Witcher. Okay, I I believe you. I think it's a really good a really mm-hmm, good episode. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, like I love the fight with the Striga. I love the background of the fight. Um, I love the the kind of plot twists to it um, mm-hmm. because there's a couple of things that you don't necessarily see coming. Um, you just kind of assume like, okay, you know, monster in the castle, monster hunter guy going to kill it. Um, but then you find out, oh, Hey, it's, um, it's an incest baby of the king and it's actually his daughter and Geralt doesn't kill it. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of like non-standard fantasy handling here of a storyline. So it's very unique and I absolutely love it. I'm going to give it eight and a half. Wow. Why so harsh? Um, I really like it because I think that their interpretation of the Striga short mm-hmm. story is really good. I think I only dock it really because I think Tris's introduction is really weird. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I kind of blank out at that point. <laughs> but um, they got to introduce her somehow. It was definitely like a dungeon master, <laughs> like a DM like introduction. Uh, you see a, a weird uh, figure, uh, cloaked figure off to the side of the path, uh, and it whispers something to you. Witcher. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Uh, where has this person been the whole time? Uh, don't ask too many questions. Yeah. So I think what I really like about this, and we talked about the parallel between, um, so the fight scene mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. the Striga is juxtaposed with Yennefer's transformation. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how this is a parallel between their resilience. Yes. Their ability to overcome impossible odds. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Geralt with fighting the Striga who has killed so many other people, including other witchers. Including other witchers, um, yes. And Yennefer overcoming an incredibly painful transformation um, without anesthesia, which no one else does. So, like, the fact that these were juxtaposed, I think, was a great scene. I think it really helped me understand why Geralt and Yenfer are these sort of, like, parallel 
um, forces. And it helps me understand why we are really rooting for them in their relationship. <sighs> okay. Time to limber up. <sighs> okay. So are you ready for some hardcore armchair literary nerd analysis? Here? Sure. Yeah. Um, and I say this fully armchairing myself here, very aware of the fact that I have never had to do any of these things myself. Um, very aware of my own limitations in terms of what I have done in my life. Um, one of the ways that you, so in the book series, we see Yen and Geralt paralleled both in their just sheer staunch stubbornness and determination of will. But we see these in separate vignettes and separate and interactions with each other. And it, it takes multiple books to build that up. And that's what you have to do in literature. You have to have those those encounters and those experiences and build the value of the relationship. When it comes to converting that into a visual medium like film or small film, whatever you want to call this, um, you have to then show, not tell. This scene does a fantastic juxtaposition in five minutes showing the comparisons between Geralt or the, the parallels between Geralt and Yennefer. Um, and it does it, like I said, in like five minutes, it basically boils down like all of their, their stubbornness, their like mm. hard headed, just charging into problems, ness into a visual representation within five minutes. And it's fantastic. Um, like, I, I love that analysis because mm-hmm. I think that you're right. It doesn't really work to do the same like buildup of their relationship yeah. in a literary form. Because, Be- because you don't have the time in a TV show. No. And we will get into their eventual meeting mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. episode five. But I think this does a great job of even building up why their walls are so high. Yes. Like you yep. think about these little exchanges that they have, um, mm-hmm. like Geralt with Foltis, where Foltis is like, you're lucky. You never have to fall in love. And yeah. Geralt's like, yep. yeah, I'm so lucky. Right. Um, and Yennefer being told by Eastred, mm-hmm. her like first partner, like no amount of like beauty mm, and power mm. will ever make you feel worthy of either. Like she mm. feels so unworthy yes. of that kind of love. Yes. So like, I think both of them are feeling like, Oh, I'm some sort of monster. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm undeserving of this love. Yep. So like, I think that this really builds them up as these partners that can't keep away from each other, but are going to have a hard time staying together. Yes. Um, and it, it shows, you know, kind of getting back to, to that a little bit that it shows Yennefer has the sheer willpower to just drive through full on magical plastic surgery with no anesthesia, mm-hmm. um, for the purposes of fulfilling her motivation of getting what she wants we see that same sheer willpower in Geralt in just not wanting to kill this monster that is literally trying to rip him apart. Um, 
and just continuing to fight through it in his own way for the motivation of trying to rescue someone. Mm. That level of willpower is definitely very much record. That level of willpower is very much recognized within each other when they do finally meet. But like you said, it ends up, they do end up bouncing off of each other quite a bit um, because they're both just so hard headed and just constantly charge into their problems. Mm. Um, as someone who charges into their problems fairly head on and is very stubborn about, you know, powering through them, there are times when that doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a life lesson that you kind of have to learn. And we do see them learn that eventually. Um, it takes some time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they are sort of. Yeah, like there are parallels. They are like two sides of the same coin. Yeah, yes. Um, I think that it's... Game recognizes game. Just got to say, you know? I think that's why it's hard for them to remain together. Mm-hmm. But I think this is something we're going to have to pick up another time because we have a lot of thoughts on Yennefer and Geralt. Absolutely. And we could go on for hours and hours and hours, but we're going to have hours and hours and hours over several episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think with that, um, I think the fire is getting a little low. And I think it might be time to um, go fight some strigas of our own downstairs. Some dogs that haven't quite necessarily been fed yet. Um, They're hungry and they're looking at us. They know that we are full of bones and they want them. (laughs) I couldn't have said it better myself. Exactly. So until next time, uh, I'm John Mark. And I'm Alexa. Good night. Good night. Good night.